Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. Uh, I'm your host, Vijar Nathan. A special episode of the Truth to Power show is about to air. Um, I'm here with Casper Jarecki, absurdist uh, uh, service filmmaker and uh, author. So we're going to be playing a song that you selected, Casper. Oh, thank you. Tell us a little bit about the song. Well, I like this song because it's really nice, and I like how the music video I really recommend it because he dances really funny in it, and I like the sunshine in the background of it, and there's like a chorus, and it's in Italian, and Italy is like a really nice country. Great, great. Let's listen a little bit to that. As we uh, listen to this, as we start getting ourselves settled in, just to give a call, a request for call-ins, uh, we're going to be taking calls in the special episode of Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. The call number is 718-928-9732. But we'll start the conversation with Casper um, as we listen a little bit to this uh, special song by uh, Franco Batito. Batito, is that right? I think so. I don't yeah. know how to pronounce it. Yeah. And the uh, Thai song. Right? Yeah. I think it's Italian yeah. or French. Yeah. Or Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Alright. So, let's listen to Yeah, and the music video of this song is really fun. Okay, so uh, why don't we go to a little bit of uh, your history. Uh, tell us a little bit about where you were born and tell us a little bit about yourself. Or where, you, where were you born and where did you grow up? Oh, thank you. So I was born in Poland and that's in Europe, just like the song was made in Europe. I was also myself born in Europe. I was born in Poland. Uh, what city? I think Wuch. Wuch, yeah. It's like L-O-D-Z, but the L has like a slash in it, so it makes like a W sound in Polish. So we left Poland when I was two years old, but my mom says that when I was a baby, they put like anti-communist pamphlets in my in my crib. Oh, wow. So that's kind of interesting how that happened, but I didn't get arrested or anything. Was it prophetic? Or you, what's your political stance if you want to take one? Well, it was interesting. And we left Poland when I was two. Then we spent one year in Brazil and one year in Argentina. And then we uh-huh. came to America when I was four years old. And I've been in America ever since. And America is uh, a pretty nice country. And America, you lived in New York all your life? Yes, or? in yeah. Brooklyn Sunset Park. Sunset Park, cool, cool. Although I have tried to leave a few times, I always wind up coming back. And, and America is, I guess, it's a pretty decent country. And there's a lot of roads and, and electricity in America. 
Nice, nice. So, uh, your first um, project uh, that you worked on, uh, one of the major projects you worked on was the adaptation of a Tao Lin. Oh, yes. Yeah. Thank you. So, every few years, I try to do something creative. Both of my parents are artists. So, unfortunately, I didn't inherit any talent. So, I just have like a regular job. But I always dream about being an artist and I always um, admire artists. So, this was really exciting because I read a nice book by Tao Lin called E-E-E and E-E-E refers to a sound that a dolphin makes mm -hmm. and there and there is a dolphin in this book as well as a bear the president and space aliens and it also talks about like being at work every day so it's like a really unique book that I really enjoyed reading so I had an idea like let me contact this author and I was able to purchase the movie rights for this book. So it was really an exciting time um, with this movie that we were making. So I rented an apartment not too far from the library where I was working at, which was in Long Island City, because I was an assistant manager there in Long Island City Library. And so after work, we used to go together to my apartment. And for like about six or seven months, we used to film in my apartment. So... We had like a green screen, so that way we could do special effects and editing. And it was really, I was really fortunate that all my library coworkers and colleagues were a part of this. Yeah. And unfortunately, the movie was really bad. So, uh -huh. like, I submitted it to a lot of film festivals and it got rejected by every film festival. And the library didn't even want to screen it because it was so boring. But I can say that it was a really nice experience filming it after work, getting together with my friends. And and it shows that as long as you have a vision, even if it's a really poorly executed vision, you will find people to follow you. So yeah. that was really exciting. And it was funny because to premiere the movie, I did a little film festival. And I charged $5. And I called it Casper's Apartment Film Festival. And a few people actually paid $5 to be part of my film festival. And Tal Lin never showed up to my film festival to sh see the premiere of this movie. But one of his friends was there. Oh, nice, nice. But yeah, Talon is so creative. Yeah, yeah, good. So now we're also going to be listening to, uh, in the background, a little bit of the a special track you created. Um, why don't you set that up for us? The subway sounds? <laughs> oh, thank you. So, you know, I've been living in New York for so long, and I went to high school in the Bronx, even though I live in Brooklyn. So even in high school, at an early age, I learned about commuting. So I've been commuting for a long time, and I commute to work, too. So if I take the train and the bus to work it takes me like two hours two and a half hours one way so I, needless to say I spend a lot of time on the trains and the buses so I guess if you spend enough time you get to see interesting things so um, I always have my tape recorder well usually I have my tape recorder with me sometimes I have my phone and I do little giffies or something so I made a little documentary I actually had a lot of audio clips but I know it's kind of boring to listen to it so I try to put together some interesting things, even though they're still kind of boring, but those were the things that I got to experience. Right, great, great. So this is Subway Sounds. We'll play in the background. Oh, this one has cursing. Is that okay? Yeah. I think that's a performer that's singing this and anything can happen. There's all ambient sounds that you enhance. 
no, those are, I mean, I don't pass it. And then there's a train, and this person's going to tell about the train and how weird it is. <laughs> so the train is running all over the place. Yeah. So it's so interesting how these are like ambient sounds in New York. We're focused on them now. And wait for it. Oh, the subway rat. And then yeah, he, he said shut up because <laughs> oh, yeah. she was going on for one hour uh, and this is the what is it showtime uh-huh. the showtime crew where they're dancing but their ipod broke down they had technical difficulties in the middle of their showtime <laughs> dance event uh. <laughs> little music from the subway well that's the showtime they're having the showtime? technical difficulty yeah this is great yeah i also i'm just looking at the video uh, that was accompanying it. See, they're saying if the, a new iPhone comes out, the old one starts messing up. Uh. And those are like weird, there's some like really weird, bizarre sounds when you take the train. And this is one of them. And people can find this video at uh, YouTube on NYC Subway Sounds. Oh, if you, if you want to, I can read you the link. Yeah. Oh, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote it down for you guys. Yeah. It's a long link. It's a lot. Choose me! I'm hungry! Can anybody help me out? With some change, please. Yeah, so every day almost somebody asks you for money. And then you can hear people having like really intense conversations. And this guy's complaining about a cat scratched the bed, and I think his, his daughter wants the cat out of the house. <laughs> and he's saying it's not a big deal. Yeah. But it seems like it's bigger than a small deal <laughs> yeah. by his reaction. Yeah. And you see in the video a person with the dog, small dog. Yeah, I put random uh, videos too. Random videos, yeah. And this is actually pretty good. That's like from Ace of Base or something. It's a guitar performance in the train. So it's really random, all the different things that can happen. I mean, I guess you superimpose the picture of a dog dancing on the video. Yes. Which people can find on NYC Subway Sound. Uh, the user is very depressed world. Yeah, you'll find some good music in the train, even though I'm not a huge fan of music. I can still appreciate it. Yeah. Listen a little bit more to this. But um, yeah, I've seen rats on the train. Oh yeah, this guy's so boring. And he's saying that they're stuck on the on the bridge. And then somebody says that they're so bored, so tired or something. <laughs> yeah, let's listen a little bit to it. And then we'll talk a little bit about... Because um, this all seems to go together with the absurdism, calling attention to uh, kind of things that are mundane, but amplifying them and... I'm showing, focusing on them. Would you say? See, he's like, why are we still sitting here? And he's the conductor. <laughs> he's like, he doesn't know why they're still sitting there. And then he's doing a, an announcement, and then there's like weird, bizarre sounds in the background, and you can't even hear what he's saying, even though he doesn't know what he's saying. Yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah, it is, it is, yeah. We see the, the 19 minutes to Church Avenue. On the thing, 21 minutes still while I'm new. Yeah, and that, train, yeah. And sometimes it says well, zero minutes left, and the train never comes. <laughs> it takes forever. 
So anybody would like to call in, go to 718-928-9732. We'll be taking calls. Yeah, you guys can call in about your subway stories. Yeah, call in if you like to, to talk about a subway story. But don't call in if you're hungry. <laughs> so let's go into uh, a little bit about, uh, now we talked a little bit about EE. And if you could tell us a little bit, just returning to that, what was the plot of EE and what was the storyline? Oh, the storyline of EEE? -E -E? Yeah. To be honest, I don't remember, but I really liked it. It's about somebody, like a sad manager and an angry manager in a store or something, and they're dissatisfied, you know, with their regular job. And then it really gets really outlandish with the bear and the dolphin and the president of the United States and space aliens. So it was funny because for this movie, I actually purchased two mascot costumes a bear costume and a dolphin costume. And I still have them at home. And I really haven't been using them, but sometimes I use them for library rallies. Like we did a Wild About Libraries rally and we had them, we had people dressed up as a bear and a dolphin. Nice, nice. And see, like influence your own creative vision since um, you end up writing um, a book called The Depression of Blue Rainbow Sprinkle, <laughs> which was published on Lulu, a self-publishing yes. company. Yes. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Oh, thank you. So, you know, I was talking with my friends and, you know, we're all working in, in the library field and we all appreciate good literature. So, you know, um, my friends wrote different stuff. Like Matthew wrote a book about skateboarding. So I wanted to write something too. So I wrote a book about a blue rainbow sprinkle because blue is my favorite color. And it also... And I figured, like, it's funny because a blue rainbow sprinkle, that would be the most likely candidate to be sad or depressed. So I thought that that was, like, funny because he's literally blue in addition to being, like, a blue color. So yeah, he's thought, actually a sprinkle, right? He's yeah, he's, a, a blue he's an ice cream like sprinkle. Like ice cream sprinkle, yeah. So that that's was... It's a hero. Well, I guess he's a hero if you can call dying in a black hole a hero. <laughs> You don't want to give away too much for our listeners, but well, that's the premise, right? That's the premise yeah, but story, even yeah. in the book, on yeah. top of every page, that what is it called? The header? I yeah. put on one page he dies. On. Uh, on what page he dies. Right, right, right. <laughs> so you're kind of doing a spoiler alert there because you know, it's on an anti-spoiler alert. Yeah, it's yeah. like an anti-spoiler alert. Yeah. And, and it was funny because it's this novel takes place in the future mm -hmm. and, and technically things can't die because they have backup copies of themselves. So, I don't know. It was I had a good time writing it. It was kind of hard because I just like wrote stream of thought things, but I really had a good time writing it, even though like nobody purchased it, and I still have like a few copies at home. One time I went to like a like a literally like a literal festival or something, and nobody wanted and I rented a table, but nobody was interested in the book, so I I put the price down to one dollar. And then some people bought the book. And they said that they would email me, but they actually never emailed me again. <laughs> but I asked them, could you please buy my book for a dollar yeah. at least? And then some of them bought it, even though it cost me like $8 to make the book. <laughs> but I didn't feel like carrying it, all those books at home. And I guess I wanted, you know, somebody to read it, even though I actually didn't get any feedback. And I think it's also partly my fault because I think I made the book kind of subversive and making it really difficult to read. So there's really no chapter breaks or anything like that. And there's really no plot line. So I guess it was just like an exercise for myself mm. that I put out there. And it is like 200 or something pages. 
And I had a good time, and I, I probably will. I mean, I'm working on a sequel, so maybe in, in the end of January I can finish it, and I hope that it'll become like a bestseller. And I'll try yeah. to have chapters in it, so make it more readable. Yeah, chapters and paragraph breaks and uh, part breaks. Or, yes, yeah. one, one thing about my writing is that I really love um, run-on sentences. I love spelling mistakes. <laughs> so those things are really amusing to me, but I don't know how amusing they are to other people. Yeah. But I know writing is kind of therapeutic, is being able to make those mistakes. And like I said, like I was born in Poland, which is like another country. So when I came to America, I didn't speak any English. So I think that kind of influenced me because... When I came to America and I was in school and I didn't speak any English, like I felt that as a time of freedom, right? I didn't have to do homework. I didn't have to do anything because I couldn't speak the language. But I felt that once I started to learn English, it was a mode of control over me. And then they tell you, you have to do this, you have to do homework, you have to do this and that. So I think in a way I'm kind of still angry at learning English because that's like a way to control people. Mm. So I guess when I'm writing, I, I like to do like little subterfuges is that a word like um to do something against the english language subversive, being super subversive right well i guess i'm angry at the english language for controlling me and my whole life mm-hmm. and having to do things so i guess when i write books i like to do things against the english language but at the same time i don't know if it really does anything against the english language and i wind up losing money because i self-published a book that nobody reads <laughs> but i guess it's a form of therapy per se but yeah, that's how I feel about English. So in the background, we're listening to NYC Subway Sounds. Uh, I played it again. I played it in loop uh, for people uh, to get a sense of it. Um, it was something you recorded, just to reiterate, it was something you recorded while taking the subway daily and edited it together. How long did it take you to edit? About 15 hours, you said? I mean, it, it, it took me one, like, oh, a day. I was It was actually New Year's, mm-hmm. and I figured since it's a new year, and like I don't want to be like a failure forever, so let me try to do something. So I put together this music video. So I figured on the like they say, what you do in the new year is what you're gonna do the rest of the year. Yeah, so yeah. I wanted to do something productive for the New Year's, and it was actually an, interesting because I was thinking like, what clips can I do next? And in my notebook, I actually categorized like over a hundred clips mm-hmm. because there's a lot of different clips that I have in my audio recorder. So I actually listened to all of them. I was actually pet sitting. And I put on my headphones, and I was playing also NBA Jam and Street Fighter 2 Turbo. But I also was listening to the, um, to the sounds from the subway, and I actually put, like, I categorized them. And when I went to school, my background was in archives. So I guess I was archiving the work in my notebook and, and cataloging it. So when I was doing the editing, I was like, okay, let me look at my notebook and what sounds are interesting. And then I put them together. I know I did it in one day, so it's probably not that good. I probably should have extended it over a few days. And like in the music video, like when you watch it, I noticed that I didn't put in a, a, a photo that I took of a train that had like hell graffitied on it. So I think I should go back and add that to my music video because that would be kind of amusing. But oh, what was the, yeah, wait, what was the see, question again? I can see, yeah, just basically that. You can go into <laughs> the video itself. People should look it up. And how um, it uh, it's very interesting to look at visually as well. So, and then uh, returning to the Depression of Blue Rainbow Sprinkle, um, we have the description of it from here. It says, you know, from lulu.com, uh, you go to uh, Casper Jarecki's page, shop slash Casper hyphen Jarecki, and it's spelled K A C P E R hyphen Jarecki, J A R E C K I. 
Um, and it says uh, the Russian Blue Rainbow Sprinkle is about in the future with artificial intelligence, even rainbow, rainbow sprinkles are highly intelligent and smart. Uh, exclamation point. <laughs> but with great intelligence comes great depression. So um, that's the description. So why don't we talk a little bit about the, a little more about that and uh, the themes of the work and what brought you to writing it, what what uh, inspired you to write with artistic influences and such? Well, if you want to, you want me to read a clip from it? Yeah, yeah that'd be great. So I don't know if this is a typo or not, but I'm going to read it. I think at this point, the blue rainbow sprinkle is stuck in the black hole and and it's hard to escape a black hole and stuff. So the blue rainbow sprinkle is there. And then like the yellow rainbow sprinkle comes to visit the rainbow sprinkle. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then the yellow sprinkle said, I am not really here. I am what you will call a phantom illusion. If I was really here, then I would be stuck just like you are, which obviously would be a bad thing. I am the equivalent of an attachment sent via a fake email to you, which was able to penetrate this black hole, but only for a few seconds before the black hole starts its anti-spyware program and deletes me from its cache memory. And obviously I can't communicate back to the real world. The reason I am here and not Tashika is because Tashika is trying to rescue you in real life, but I personally don't believe in real life. I just came here to give you a hug, although it will be a fake hug because I'm not really here. Once you try to hug me, you will just go straight through me and fall on the floor. <laughs> That's why I jumped on this building when you started to attempt to joke me. <laughs> I didn't want you to fall because you already lost a lot of blood today, and I came to cheer you up. And I also came here out of scientific curiosity because I wasn't sure if I would be able to penetrate this black hole. And I can't communicate back with my real self in reality, so I will never find out. So farewell and bid you well. I'm now being progressively phased out of this black hole. So this is your last chance for a fake hug or something. And, <laughs> and, the, and the blue rainbow sprinkle dies on page 240. 240. Okay, good, good to know. Good to know. Yeah. So that, it was nice to, because I like sprinkles because they're so colorful. And I mm -hmm. think like it's really nice to be able to see colors because I know not all types of animals can see colors, although I'm sure they can see other things like heat vision with snakes. But I really like colors and like myself, I try to only wear blue clothes and I know from wearing blue clothes mostly that I can see the infinite varieties of the color blue. So it's so amazing. It's like when I went to school and I learned like the difference between one and two is actually infinite because there's 1.1 and 1.01 and 1.001 and it goes on forever. So even just a, a shade of blue can have infinite variations. So I thought that was so amazing. Although I will say to the audience that my motorcycle stuff is black. So I, even though I try to wear everything blue, I bought my motorcycle before I went into my blue phase. So my motorcycle stuff is black because like my jacket is $700, but I bought it on my credit card because I got credit card points from buying my motorcycle. So when I bought my motorcycle with my Harley Davidson credit card, I was able to get a, a free jacket, even though it cost $700, but they didn't have any blue jackets so I had to get the black jacket, but I got a jacket that had a lot of reflective gear. Great, great. I, feel, I always feel like uh, you're going to be reading, writing a book called Fifty Shades of Blue or Infinite Shades of Blue or something. Yeah, it's so yeah. amazing how blue is so infinite. Yeah. And you can really go deep into the blue <laughs> color. But my favorite blue is like a light shade of blue. Yeah. Like this blue on this table is pretty nice, but it's still too dark for me. Like I prefer something lighter. Even though, like, mostly the clothes that I wear at work is darker blue and navy blue because it's more, I don't know, elegant or professional. But I like the brighter colors as well. 
So for my personal life, usually I wear lighter blue, but for work, I wear darker blue. Nice. Like navy blue? Yeah, like my pants are navy blue. But one thing I don't like about navy blue is sometimes people mistake it for black. So navy blue is not immediately, obviously, mm. blue. Yeah. So there's so, like a conflict of interest. So just another request. Uh, if anyone wants to call in, it's 718-928-9732. I hope I'll hear the ring if you... Uh, uh, let's try it again. Uh, call in, and then we'll put you on air with Casper Jarecki on Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Um, we're talking about uh, absurdism. We'll talk a little bit about your influences and what uh, thinkers and artists and uh, filmmakers influenced you to co- cohesively create your vision. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say because usually I'll read something, and then right away I'll forget what it is that I read. So mm-hmm. in a way, that's bad but in a way it's also good because i wind up rereading all the favorite books that i've read so that's something i enjoy i remember going in when i was in school one thing that i really enjoyed was learning about the dada movement and alfred jari and tristan zara and francis bacabia and even the letrisim movement with with and that was really fun i forgot the name of the letrisim person who made it yeah i, I really liked uber roy which is by Alfred Jarry. That's the only one I read by him. Yeah, and Alfred Jolly, Jarry, when he died, the mm-hmm. thing that he asked for is for a toothpick. <laughs> so he was really interesting, but I think he drank too much. What is it called? Ether or? Yeah, I think ether. ether? Yeah, so he I drank think, too yeah. much of that. So he passed mm-hmm. away early. But it was really fun how these artists like were able to bypass convention and rebel against the world and the art world and try to do something new. So that's something that I really enjoyed reading about them when I was younger. So when I was younger, I used to read a lot of books and I used, and I also used to read about anarchism and, you know, down with the government and the corporate world, Mm. but yeah, the life is so difficult. So I feel like it's not just the government or or corporate. It's like the whole universe is a difficult place. Because if you went to outer space, like it would be hard for you to live there as well. So people complain about Earth, but I think the whole world is like a difficult, like the universe is like a hard place to be. But I yeah. do wish I could visit um, Jupiter. Jupiter is always like my first love planet because it's such a nice big planet. And I heard that Jupiter had rings too, but they probably fell into the planet just like saturn's rings are gonna escape but now that i I like blue um neptune is probably my top planet because it looks like a nice blue color even though i really like jupiter but jupiter can't be officially my favorite planet because Uh it's not blue and it's funny because like uh, i have a overlap with you i published a poem with the literary magazine meow meow pow pow so people can look them up at meow meow pow pow lit.org or dot com i don't remember Mm -hmm. But anyway, they can look it up. Uh, I just published. They just accepted it. So sometime in 2019, they're going to be publishing a poem called um, Everyone's Got Something to Hide Except Me and Nietzsche. And basically, um, it uh, has Nietzsche uh, kind of traversing the, the Mars landscape. And that's all really I'll say. And, you know, kind of traversing the Mars landscape on the Schwinn. And uh, I hope you guys will look it up and uh, and find out more on Meow Meow Pow Pow Lit. Um, so now we'll take uh, reminding people that you can call in at 718-928-9732. And let's talk a little bit about um, artificial intelligence versus organic intelligence. So um, 
we were talking a little bit about that before the show and how artificial intelligence, like the sprinkles are basically the sprinkles, the heroes of your story, the depression of blue rainbow sprinkle, which people can find on lulu.com is uh, the story of not mostly non-humans, almost entirely non-humans. Right. And um, yeah, they're, I don't think there's any humans there. Yeah. But so I think there's enough books written about humans already. So I didn't want to um, cloud that land, that literally lands, literary, literary landscape with more books about humans because there's already a lot of books written about them. So I wanted to do something unique. Yeah. That's really great. I think I really admire that. I think the, the, the vision in Question of Blue Rainbow Sprinkle has something to offer. People can uh, try to listen to it, read it. Uh, com. And then, but also uh, Lulu.com, uh, Depression of Blue Rainbow Sprinkle. And then, um, so tell us a little bit about the premises of this, how the sprinkles became intelligent. So my theory is in the future, everything's going to be intelligent, just like intelligent life formed on Earth. Um, I guess in a billion years, intelligent life will form everywhere in all of outer space. So everything is going to be intelligent. So even like the dust will be intelligent and even ice cream sprinkles will be intelligent. So I think intelligence is something like a level of self-awareness that everything in the world will gain eventually through time and evolution. So, um, so I think that's interesting. Like even us, like our bodies, the world, most of it is done is dead sun particles because the sun always like stars explode continuously and they form new kinds of elements for the element table. So most of these elements were not originally created in the universe. They were created out of dead, like, like the, the sun and the stars created them because there are such immense heat generators and they create a lot of different things. So through time, we were able to exist through the dead particles of stars. So eventually, just like we were created from and like inorganic dead matter, everything will be able to be um, intelligent and have intelligence. So I don't know if it's so much artificial intelligence, although that also, I guess, can exist, although it doesn't really exist. I think everything will be intelligent, like even a rock. And maybe in a way, those things already are intelligent, but they're mm. not communicating with us. Like one time I was reading a book about unicorns, and it said that unicorns, as an evolutionary measure to survive, they turned invisible. So mm. it said that we are actually surrounded by unicorns, but because they evolved to be invisible to survive, we don't get to see them. Mm. So even this intelligence from the whole world, it might exist, but we might not be able to perceive it, or it may not choose to communicate with us. And there are traditions uh, that exist now that talk about the spirit world and uh, the shaman shamanic traditions, indigenous traditions, are traditions that talk about how all existence, the whole world has consciousness or has some kind of spirit. So we talk about the rock spirit, the tree spirit, and how spirits can inhabit, at the very least, uh, can inhabit these these uh, vessels, like a tree, you can have a tree spirit in, invited into the, like Shinto, and uh, in Japanese traditions, in um, the shamanic traditional Japanese traditions, will have the tree spirit inhabiting the tree, and uh, the life force that comes in plants, and any kind of living matter, but you're saying even dead matter, even matter that we consider quote unquote dead, or like or um, uh, like a computer or something. Obviously, we know computers have follow tasks and they are able to perform output input, but um, whether or not they have a consciousness, or not. And one of the previous episodes, one of my previous interviews, I talked about whether or not stars or cosmic 
um, cosmic events, cosmic, uh, cosmic beings, whether there's such thing as cosmic beings and how that fits into the gods and the demigods, all these kinds of uh, overlapping theories. Yes, yeah. and one thing that I found was interesting was like Elon Musk, like he said that we might be part of an alien simulation and they're just mm. seeing what we react to different situations. So we might be in a dust particle being observed by aliens who are seeing how our alien simulation is working. Like, so I mm. think that was interesting. And sometimes there's like really strange things that happen and you're like, how is this even possible? So I think that explains it, that the alien simulation is just testing our reaction time. And when I was going to school, I actually went to Catholic school and they said that God is testing us. Mm. So I think that might be the aliens who are actually testing us or one of those two. So I definitely think that this world is kind of strange and unusual. So maybe it is part of a simulation to see like how we behave in different instances. Yeah, I, mean, I think the word alien, people tend to make us you know, have a specific understanding and interpretation of that. But it really has to do with our relationship. Like for us, we are originate from this planet, obviously. And for the alien, though, they're just originating from another planet. They're coming in, maybe coming in from another area. And in some ways, you know, um, any kind of consciousness or any kind of being that emerges, you know, from the outside, the domain of natural, what we consider from our own domain. And in some ways, everyone is like alien in a way. You know, it's like oh, all these all these people, all these beings that the, the, I think Wittgenstein said, if a lion could speak, if a lion had the ability to speak, had language, right? Uh, we wouldn't be able to understand him because his use of language and the lion's ability to articulate and it would be relative to lion experiences. He would always he'd be emerging out of the experience of lion. So when he actually, if he had did achieve the um, vocabulary and the lexicon, if he achieved the, the kind of syntax uh, that we have, you know, in English, for example, uh, he was able to speak, he would be sp selecting words based on those lion beings. So it's very interesting to think about and meditate on, but um, what do you got? You got something? You're looking at something? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm looking at my schedule book. I uh -huh. have to go to the dentist. Right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, what do you call it? Uh, so, yeah, we were talking a little bit about travel. So why don't we say about travel, uh, your travels and stuff? We're talking about oh, about. so we can talk about my motorcycle trip. Yeah. So I went on a motorcycle trip across the USA. What happened is I, I – took a year off from work to go to flight school and that didn't work out for me because I was such a bad pilot. <laughs> but what happened is after that, I went home and I slept for a whole month. So for February, 2015, I slept for a whole month in my bed, mm -hmm. but then I got a big headache. So did I you dream a lot or did you dream? Did you try At first I, I dreamt, but then I stopped dreaming and I just had a big, I got really sick from sleeping. Oh. So I was like, okay, I can't sleep. What can I do? So I decided to go take my motorcycle all across the USA. So I got to see the America. So, and I got to hang out with my motorcycle. It was, yeah, it was my new one. My 2015 um, Harley Street 750 bike. So I went to Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh was my first night there and it was raining so hard. And then I went to the Warhol Museum in Pittsburgh, which was really nice. And then there was like a kawaii store with stickers. So I got some stickers there. They had like stickers with like body parts and like teeth. And all of them are like animated and they're cute and they're smiling. So that was really nice. But that night when I was in Pittsburgh, 
like um a car bumped into my motorcycle because the back of my motorcycle was all loose. So then I had to take it to the Harley dealership and they said it would take a lot of time to get it fixed. So they tied it up with a string so I can still keep going. And then I went to Detroit and I went to an art museum in Detroit and it was really nice. But when I was eating breakfast in the muse- in the hotel, they ha- I saw the news and it said there was a pinball convention. So then I went to the pinball convention and I really like pinball because it's fun. But to be honest, I'm really bad at it, but I really like to play it. Uh-huh. Then I went to Milwaukee and I went to the Harley Davidson Museum to look at the motorcycles. And, you know, I think motorcyclists, they call cars cages. So oh, we mo- got to call and I think, uh, hang on. <laughs> Oh, hey, BJ. Hey, this is Matt Allison. Yes, how are you doing? How are you? How are you? Oh, Matt, what's your social security number? <laughs> Hi, Matt. So thanks so much for calling in. Uh, do you have a question or a, a thought? You uh, Matt, Matt, remember when we were in Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah, let me turn down my uh, my my computer because there's yeah. a double. So, yeah. So hold on one second. That'd be an improvement. <laughs> Okay, I guess uh, uh, we kind of had a discussion about like technology and sci-fi <laughs> stuff, and um, okay, I guess I'll just have a question before you guys think that there's an end to technology. Like when I was in high school, I didn't expect like everyone to carry a cell phone in 20 years, you know. So it's kind of I don't know. When we're 80, what do you think the world's going to be like? Yeah, I think that uh, I'll let you, Casper. You want to take this first? Or? No, you take it first okay. and second. <laughs> I'll just say, <laughs> I'll just say that. I think that uh, we definitely have the, the industrial revolution that revolutionizing the technology revolution, um, and the it had to do with advances in science. So once we solved, I think once we solved, we had the introduction of the nano technology, the uh, quantum physics. I think uh, my my understanding is that the exploration of the uh, atoms and nanotechnology all helped us with becoming cell phones. You know, certain 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 aspects of science. Breakthroughs in science allowed us to then, um, you know, create cell phones to create, um, you know, that that Tesla and uh, and Edison had both done uh, in their electricity and all this kind of thing. It allowed that was a major breakthrough. Subsequently, and Einstein, their, their relativity, uh, all these kind of breakthroughs uh, allowed a whole new ballpark for us. So once we connect, the major question now is connecting. Mm-hmm. Uh, quantum theory with the sub theory, subatomic theory, the the, okay. the string theory, you know, connecting. <laughs> Matt, these are two you taking things. notes? Yeah, on these two things. Once we've broken through that, I think we'll have a, a whole new playing ground for uh, possible un, unforeseeable things that could happen. Yeah, because they have all these predictions, like you know, like like you know, they're like our New York's gonna be underwater in fifty years or seventy years, and mm. like, there's a lot of stuff to theorize. But I I think like a lot of times these theories were wrong in the past, so it's, it's really hard to know what it's going to be like but anyways as a like a writer like like with the blue depression sprinkle like it seems like you have to do this sci-fi stuff like way like centuries in advance you know because it's like it, it's it's i think if you try to do something like 50 years in advance it's i don't know it's, it's really hard to predict i think anything is going to, going to happen yeah just a vision casper what about a vision for like your vision for society or your vision for our world uh, what was what was your what is your thoughts on that? Well, where's the world going? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure, but I think there'll always be problems in the future. So that's one of the reasons I decided never to have kids. So wherever <laughs> the world is gonna go, it's not really my issue anymore. So I'm glad to have washed my hands of the future. <laughs> 
But yeah. I hope that wherever I do go, that it'll be nice. And I hope I'll get to see my cat and my hamsters and my dog. And I hope they'll all be there and we can hang out together. And I think even with oh. the te- even the technology that we have now, like cell phones, like, you know, people invented phones. I mean, they invented like trains and airplanes and penicillin. So like cell phones are are, are fun, but they're not really... Like life changing. Yeah, they're not like a big advance, like the vehicle or the space shuttle or flying. But um, I like to think like human invention is not tapped out. That like we can get past like you know the 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 global warming and stuff like that. I like to think that humans can like surpass a lot of the problems that will be in the future. But I, I, I guess who knows? Yeah. The question is the categories or divide them into categories. So we have on the one hand we have just streamlining and making more efficient the kinds of things we're doing right now, right? On the other hand, we have really revolutionizing the way in which we see the world. And that's really, in order to, if we're just kind of thinking about how do we get a better cell phone, how do we get a faster cell phone, how do we overcome the obstacles that that the computer, that faster um, connections, all these kinds of things, if that's all we're doing, um, it's not sufficient in my mind. I think we really need to think from the, think about, uh, more than that, you know, re- revolutionizing yeah. the way we think about the world. Yeah, right? and I think, like, when the internet first came out, it was supposed to be so, have so much potential to change the world, to democratize the whole world, but now it's mostly a way to sell products to people. And I heard, like, Google, Facebook, they're all the biggers, biggest investors in artificial intelligence, and they're using that artificial intelligence to get people to click on links to buy products. So I think it's really amazing yeah. that all this technology, I think it's also a way to control us and people are more complacent because they're playing games, they're on their phones, yeah, and they're less yeah. creative. So I think it's also a way of controlling people and making them, you know, just buy products. So I, I had a guest on the show, the Truth to Power show, which usually airs on Mondays at 8 a.m., but uh, I had a guest on the Truth to Power show who talked about how he embraces the technological revolution because he's hoping that... Um, That'll free up, quote unquote, free up the humans for allowing them to be more and do more instead of menial tasks. You know, what do you think about that, Matt? Well, I think it's, um, I've, I've talked, to, I don't know if I talked with you guys before. I, I think I have, but like, I think that's a question they may kind of have to face. Like, if everything's robotics in 50 years from now, like, do people that don't have usable professional skills, do they just starve or? Or do, there, there should be like, like cats were saying that you're, that president that's running for universal income. There, yeah. there needs to be something like that. If there, I mean, if people, if there's there's less work for everyone, it's there's there's it's a humanity question. I think that. Yeah. I mean, not not everyone can be like an English professor or, or, or working in a university. It's 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 uh, getting rid of all manual labor, which mm. I think is the goal of a lot of robotics is, is not really good in a way because people need to have work for fulfillment and, and to get a paycheck. So I just think that that, it, that is a question humanity will have at some point. The question is, though, what is what, first of all, A, what does it mean to be human, right? I mean, not just to have a human body, but also what does it mean to truly tap into our human potential and uh, whether or not, and you were saying, I think what I understand you're saying is that work is part of that, doing whether it be labor, whether it be some kind of meaningful no, I mean, work, it, it, yeah. It's just saying, it's just saying that if there is no work. Yeah. If, there, if robots do everything. Oh yeah, of course. Every time you go go to a convenience store and a cashier is just robotics and self checkout. Yeah. And every menial labor, you know, what we consider labor stuff, 
physical labor is robotics, mm. and you have about you know forty, fifty percent of the population that can't get usable work, or there's less work. Mm. It's like, what do, do they do? do? Do people that can't work just you know starve, or do do people, or or are people freed up to do what they want? Yeah, that's know? the question. I mean, that's the hope is that we'd have more yeah. populations who are engaged with. Uh, not necessarily, I mean, it doesn't have to be scholarly work. It can just be, uh, you know, something like, uh, for example, like, I mean, I do believe that, um, you know, what we consider blue collar work to be very meaningful. And it's not, some people consider that, oh, like, it's just like lower work or something like that. That's really narrative, which I like to disrupt. And I think that we, we divide up the white collar and blue collar, but, uh, you know, CEO and the, and the, People working on the ground doing customer service are equally engaged in their labor, you know. But a lot of those things, robotics are are are, are aiming to to do, do most of that work. Yeah, like you yeah. know, like if you go to auto plants now, there, there's far less people working in there than there was 20, 30 years ago. Mm. Yeah, it's funny. I was reading about Google because they're testing their their self-driving car. And in that town, people are throwing rocks at it. They're crashing into those cars. So there is a backlash against those robots already. Yeah. yeah. But um. And, but the thing is, it's even um, um, wasn't the new Amazon stores? Aren't they? They're they're, they're um. You can't check. You have to. You have to. You have to check it out yourself, or you have to buy it yourself, or something. Or oh yeah yeah. But, so there 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 is an aim to have less like staff at stores and less work and you know that's why i think unions are important because it's they're fine against that but it's um i don't know that they, they, they keep tweaking and upgrading this robotics and stuff so uh-huh so yeah i think i i understand that cashless stores or stores that use uh primarily electronic payment are also very much divisive because they um the prerequisite is that you have a bank account that you it's kind of classist in a way that and I, I was I was listening to some videos uh, online that uh, argued this point. I, I definitely agree that there is a division being made about, you know, easy pass is becoming more and more standard um, in, uh in toll collecting. And it's very it's very uh, divisive in our society that we want to be, as you're saying, democratic and egalitarian and create equity and um, easy access to all people that we're all human beings yeah. and, and all living beings should have an opportunity towards uh, happiness and, and fulfilling the pursuit of happiness. Yeah. Yeah. Like I hope in the future, like that we have this stuff and then people are just have improvement of life for everyone. You know? Yeah. Not, not more hardship. Like if you, you can't get a job, you're, you're out of luck, you know? Yeah. It has something that we need an element of compassion with that, yeah. that our fellow man, uh, our fellow woman, our fellow human being, is going to uh, is we're going to give them a hand, and we're going to join hands, and we're going to you know pull each other up, so that then we can yeah. uh, achieve our dreams, achieve our fulfillment. Um, so speaking of which, uh, also I want to get to with Casper, we were talking about your plays and such, Van Gogh and all these okay, people. Well, who, I, yeah, I'm going to sign. Off. I mean, I mean, my dad, bro, I'll sign off and I'll, I'll tune in. Okay, but thanks wait, so much, wait, Matt. You. How was the, yep. the L.A. trip was fun, right? Yeah, L.A. was yeah, that was a good trip. What did you yeah. like better, L.A. or San Francisco? I like L.A. because it seems sunnier and um, 
I don't know. I just I just like LA. I've been just been there a few times, but yeah, just, California. Um, yeah, we had, we had, we... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> okay, I, I'm signing off. So I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Thanks bye-bye. so much. Thanks for calling. Thank you. So yeah, California definitely has a, a certain allure for New Yorkers being like on the East Coast and 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 going to a sunny place or whatever kind of thing. You know, it has definitely there's a New York, LA, or New York, uh, California. Connection. Yeah, I like Los Angeles because yeah. they have a um, little Tokyo and they actually mm-hmm. have a lot of nice stores there. So I really like the Japanese aesthetic. So I bought like a hundred dollars worth of stuff from there. Yeah. So why don't we talk a little bit about your plays that you've been working on, that you're workshopping, oh, thank and that you. you're uh, putting together, and, and your vision. We'll start off with uh, Van Gogh. Uh, Van Gogh, I think. It's, I don't even know. I, I, sometimes I hear people say Van Gogh, you know? Yeah. But uh, I think European, sometimes they pronounce it like that. But Americans always pronounce it Van Gogh, right? I guess so. <laughs> so uh, you did some research, though, on him, right? You did some research on... Oh, uh, yes. So I was, watching, what you, what you I was watching the NHK show, which is like a public access Japanese show and they have English language and it's really fun. Mm-hmm. So we, it was called the magic hour because when the sun sets, all the colors really get changed up. And for two minutes, the the sky actually and the clouds turn green. That's according to the show. So even though he was using really crazy colors in his works, actually he saw that moment where all the colors were changing when the sun was setting. So my mom is an artist. I talked to my mom. So she said like Van Gogh, like his ear, like he like he got an argument with Gauguin or something, and then Gauguin, my mom said that Van Gogh didn't actually cut his ear off; that Gauguin cut the ear off from Van Gogh. So I thought that was interesting. And she also said that Van Gogh was kind of an eccentric person, and people made fun of him and bullied him because he was so weird. So she said that he was bullied and he got shot in the stomach, and he didn't actually commit suicide. So I thought that that was an interesting story. So I thought. Maybe I can make a play about this. I've been reading his letters and that he wrote to his brother. I know he had a lot of hardship and, and difficulty. Like, he was supposed to be a pastor. Then he was supposed to be a doctor. So I can relate to that, like, the difficulty in finding yourself. But I guess he dedicated himself to his artwork. So that hopefully was a, a source of joy for him. But I thought it was really interesting. And when we do the play, I was thinking, how can we cut off his ear? That's going to be hard. So I figured if we make him into a bunny rabbit, then we can have bunny ears and cut off those bunny ears. That would be more practical, and they're mm. pretty cheap, and I have a whole supplies worth. And then, like, I was looking up bunny place so I could use in the in the play. So, like, where do bunnies go to learn how to fly? Where? Care Force One. <laughs> so yeah. this is going to be amusing to make a play with bunny puns and about Van Gogh's life, although I don't know that airplanes were invented yeah. in his time, so I don't think that would be realistic. And also growing up, I really like Garfield. Even though Garfield is orange, I still like Garfield. So um, I wanted to do a play on February 3rd, you know, and, we'll, and it'll be so much fun. And then we'll, we'll have a lot of fun and we'll be so rich and so successful. And it's so, going to be a, such a good play. So you're writing a play about Garfield or you're using a... a well, I finished the Garfield John. play. Yeah. yeah, tell us about that. So I wrote the Garfield play, so... Since I have a limited collection of friends and people that I know, I made a three-minute play since I wanted it to be easy. And I also had two people in it, John and Garfield. So two people who were supposed to act in it already backed out. Okay. So I have one person left who's still willing to put it on and have it in her apartment. So that's yeah. so convenient. And we're trying to find a second person to act. So if anybody's interested, you can call in. And also, if there's nobody who's interested, I'll probably have to do it myself. Or I can try to um, project it on the screen somehow. Good, good. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great, though. But um, uh, as we start to wind down, I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about Radio Free Brooklyn. You're listening to Radio Free Brooklyn, uh, Truth to Power Show, a special episode from the Potluck Dinner site. Um, Radio Free Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform for our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you. So to help support our mission, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radioforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Every cent helps us continue to stay on air. So please support independent community media by pledging whatever you can afford. All contributions are tax deductible to the fullest into law. Again, that's radioforbrooklyn.org slash donate. Um, also, Radio for Brooklyn uh, is going to be launching its uh, after-school program in 2019 as we start the new year for teens to learn media literacy. Through media making, use a hands-on approach guided by local professionals. Um, if you'd like to be, if you'd be interested in participating or donating to this program, please go to radioforbrooklyn.org/afterschool. And remember, again, all donations are tax deductible. Um, if you're listening to this on your computer, you can be freed up by listening to it on your iPhone or Android. And you can go to radioforbrooklyn.org/iphone or slash Android. Um, and you get all the iPhone app stores for iPhone or Google Play for Android. So you can listen to it uh, on the go through your phone and sign up for the newsletter to get up to date with new programming, upcoming RFP events, interviews, and ticket giveaways, Radio Free Brooklyn swag, and more. Sign up for the newsletter at radiofreebrooklyn.org slash newsletter. All right, great, great. We still have a few more minutes. Casper, um, uh, if you have a song also, if you want to pull up a song, we can play out a few minutes of our time, but um, otherwise, uh, we could talk a little bit about Plush Child Agency to end. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk a little bit about that, and then maybe if you have a song, you pull up. So, um, I saw a show on NHK about, you know, people traveling is kind of expensive and time-consuming. So, this show that I was watching talked about people sending their stuffed animals to travel together and make friends with each other and then they take pictures of the stuffed animals so i made a little website called plush traveler where i'm willing to take people's stuffed animals with me so i'm going to go to seattle soon and i'll go to paris and and i live in new york and maybe i'll go to japan so that way i can take people's stuffed animals for a small fee and then i'll be so rich and stuff So plushtraveler.weebly.com. <laughs> yeah, that's a free website. Yeah, free website. Because yeah. I don't have that much money at this time. But I yeah. do hope that in the future I'll have uh, more money or something like that. Yeah. That's great. That's great, though. But this has been the Truth to Power show on Radio Free Brooklyn. Uh, we have about four more minutes. So if you have a song, uh, pull up any song by that artist you were listening to before. And then uh, we can play that out. And then um, so people can tune in to Truth to Power show. On readyforbrooklyn.org every Monday at 8 a.m. It rebroadcasts on Thursday at 9 a.m. for now, although uh, that might change. And then. Um, How about Hot, Hot, Hot by the Bingo Boys? Okay. So as we start to wind down, I just want to tell people. Hey, I always like to play this song in front of for my mom because she hates this song. So it's kind of funny to play it for her. And it is like kind of a festive and amusing song. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, thanks for the interview. You did a really good job. 
Thanks, Matt, for calling in. And thanks to the audience for listening. And I hope to see you on the road on my motorcycle. And I hope that you won't honk at me when you do see me. Thank you so much. Sound. Bring this motherfucker down.